This morning, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, the sovereignty of God and how uh, God and has His sovereign and His sovereignty needs to be our greatest friend. I came across this message this week, um, given the circumstances that uh, were going on on Monday, and uh, heard this message by uh, Pastor Randy Martin, his pastor in Bakersfield, and I thought, uh, how appropriate for our church this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I want us to look at Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, and we're going to look at... Uh, verse 23 through 31. And I want us to glean uh, from the Apostles' Prayer uh, what they knew about the sovereignty of God and what we need to know about the sovereignty of God. So Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 23. The Bible says, And when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. Now, just in context here, um, the Spirit of God has worked in a powerful way. In in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, they were going to the temple to worship, and they came across a a man who was lame. And uh, this man cried out to, to them and said, Heal me. They, they knew that these were apostles and God had been doing some supernatural th- things through, through them. And uh, Peter said this, I have no silver and gold. He said this in chapter 3, verse 5. I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And that man was healed immediately. And as he began to uh, walk through uh, the city, people observed, saw that this lame man had been healed, and it attracted a crowd. It attracted a huge crowd, and uh, Peter was able to preach the gospel. And as he preached the Bible, the, the, the gospel, the Bible says 5,000 people gave their life to the Lord. Now, this, um, this upset the religious leaders in uh, Jerusalem. They thought that they had snuffed out Jesus, and uh, their plan, their scheme had been fulfilled, but uh, it did not um, silence the movement. And uh, things were growing. This movement was growing. The name of Jesus was being proclaimed, and things were getting out of hand. And so they decided that they were going to detain Peter and John uh, overnight. And they told Peter and John that they weren't to preach the gospel. And uh, Peter and John said that, uh, well, this is something that God has told us to do. And we obey him and not you. And through intimidation, they uh, released uh, Peter and John. And so in verse 23, we see them coming back to uh, their friends and having reported what had taken place. Verse 24. And when they had heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by, your whole, by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? 
the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. What did the disciples know about the, the heart of God, about the sovereignty of God? That we need to know in the depths of our soul as we go through trials and tribulation in our life. <clears throat> we live in a fallen world. And I've said this on many occasions, and the Word of God says this. The Apostle John in 1 John chapter 5, verse says, We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. There is an evil one that rules and reigns, and God has permitted him to rule on this earth for a period of time. The Bible says in Galatians 1.4, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us, Jesus gave, gave, gave himself to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. We live in the, the present evil age. And as Christians, we are susceptible to the schemes of the enemy, the evil in this world, just like everyone else. Jesus says in... in um, John chapter 16, in this world you will have tribulation. But be of good courage, I have overcome the world. Expect tribulation, it is going to happen. But there are a couple tools of the enemy that God has, has removed from the enemy's arsenal. And that is the fear of sin and death. If you are a child of God, that is something that the enemy cannot oppress you with. God has taken that away from him because you are, your life is hidden in Christ. He can't touch you. But there's many different ways that the enemy in this world can oppress continue to oppress God's children if we allow him. 
But in order to go through the trials and tribulations that this this world um, offers, we need to know this truth that God is sovereign over all things. God is in control. This is vital to our spiritual and emotional well-being. And so in this prayer this morning, I want us to look at what the apostles knew and what we need to know about God and His sovereignty. Uh, Three things we're going to look at. We're going to look at the apostles' appeal in their prayer to God's sovereignty. Then we're going to be looking at the meaning of that appeal and what uh, that belief leads to um, in this prayer. So let's look at the, the appeal first. What should we pray when life rocks our world? Well, for the, the apostles, they appealed to the sovereignty of God in their prayer. Persecution is just beginning for the disciples, for the believers in Jerusalem. And they know that uh, uh, more is to come and it's only going to get worse. But in their prayer, they say this, Sovereign Lord. They are appealing to God's sovereignty. Now, when you see the words Lord, that's not... The, the Greek word for Lord in this text isn't typically the way the word Lord is used. The word for Lord in this text is despotos, despotos. And uh, we get our English word uh, despot from this. It's a very uh, derogatory word in the English language. But in this particular uh, text, in this, with this word, it's not used in a derogatory way. It's, it means a master uh, over all. And so the Bible interpreters, translators, use the word sovereign, include the word sovereign along with the word Lord, because that's what the disciples are conveying in their prayer here. He is the Sovereign Lord. And, and there's two ways that he is sovereign in the disciples' prayer. Number one, he is sovereign over all creation. Verse 24, the Bible says, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. God made it all. Everything that we see around us that is good, God made. God didn't make the evil. God didn't introduce the evil. That was the enemy that the enemy, Satan himself, introduced introduced evil into this world. God is not the author of evil. God is the author of good. And he made all of his creation. Not only did, is he the author of all creation, 
that he is the author of redemptive history in verses 25 through 28, which is the bulk of this prayer here. Uh, the, 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 um, the apostles are praying or acknowledging that, that God was behind all the things that tri- transpired during the week of, of passion before as Christ was crucified. You know, that wasn't something that um, Jesus fell into. No, God had predestined it before the foundations of the earth. In verses 25 and 26, uh, the apostles quote Psalm chapter 2, the beginning of Psalm chapter 2, which is a a messianic prophecy. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. This is a prophecy that took... This is David's prayer, David's song in Psalm chapter 2, which was written a thousand years before Jesus came on the scene. This is something that God had planned and God had authored. And God says, and the, the, the apostle prays in verse 28, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Now, it begs the question, does that mean that God is responsible for the evil that took place against himself? Absolutely not. Man is morally responsible for their evil. And as we see in this prayer, you, 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 you can gather that it was the plan of man that was taking place in, in Jesus being crucified. Um, they were all gathering together against Jesus' holy servant. And so when it comes to sin, again, God is not responsible for sin or evil. And the schemes that man devise, devises in his heart, he is responsible for. And he is going to be held accountable for. So the evil that took place against Jesus, it's not God's fault. It's man's fault. They are morally responsible for having plotted uh, Jesus' death. But see the sovereignty of God in this text. Even though they were morally uh, um, responsible, and you think that they were successful in destroying Jesus... Look what verse 25 says. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? God disrupted their plan. What took place in Jesus' life at the crucifixion was the 
darkest, most horrendous event that ever transpired in the history of mankind. Man was putting to death God. But in that darkest of moments, the Bible says that God was performing his greatest act of love, his displaying his greatest act of love, his greatest work that it was the epitome of who God is. In the darkest of moments, God was at his finest. And so we see that the people's plot was in vain. And so here in the Apostles' Prayer, the Apostles know the heart of God. Even that, even though it was, it was the worst thing that could have happened to Jesus, God's hand was behind it. Jesus rose from the grave. He conquered sin and death. And the apostles are looking back on that event. They're aware of Psalm chapter 2. And they, are, they know in their heart of hearts that God predestined this all. God, God was behind it all. That is their confidence and they are appealing to God's sovereignty so I just want to encourage us this morning encourage you that when you're going through a trial or a tribulation evil has come upon your life don't blame God it may be a poor decision that you made or it may have been a poor decision somebody else made and they hurt you. But it hasn't caught God by surprise. And even though He didn't will it, He allowed it. And there is a greater purpose in your life because of it. And yes, you will hurt. Yes, you will grieve. But He is still Sovereign Lord. And we need, through our tears, to appeal to His sovereignty. Just as these soft Apostles are. Which leads us to the meaning behind this prayer. God's plan is operating. God's plan is always operating. Just as God's plan was operating throughout all of redemption history... Old Testament, all the way up through Passion Week. And now here the apostles are. They're beginning to experience persecution. It's just beginning. They know that God is operating even in their very moment. 
And just as God is operating in their very moment and believing God's sovereignty, guess what? God is operating in your very moment. And you can trust Him. And so what are two truths that we can glean from this text? Number one, no evil can stop God's plan. The aims of the wicked, the evil that is visible, it's all in vain under the sovereignty of God's ultimate purposes. Now folks, I'm talking to the church. I'm talking to the believers in Christ. If you're a child of God, these truths are a reality in your life. Nothing, no evil can stop God's plan. God has a plan and purpose in it all. And the second truth is this. God's predestined plan is a great mystery. I just want you to try to not figure it out on your own. Both of these things are true. Man is morally responsible for his wicked ways. And God is sovereign. He has a predestined plan and is using the wicked ways of evil man for your good and his glory. Don't try to understand how this is so. Someone asked uh, Pastor Spurgeon one day, they asked, how do you reconcile man's moral responsibility and your doctrine of predestination? Pastor Spurgeon said, reconcile? There's no need to reconcile, friends. These truths are friends. Both are true. And how they go together, I I don't know. Only the providence of God knows. But you've you've got to trust the heart of God in the middle of of suffering. And you can go back to the life of Joseph. You know, his brothers were jealous of Joseph. He was the favorite son of Jacob, and uh, they despised Joseph, and they, they schemed um, to just rid Joseph of the family. And there were a lot of trials and tribulation that went through Joseph's life. And at the end of uh, Genesis, um, you know, the brothers were were desperate for um, this man's second in line to Pharaoh, whom they didn't know was Joseph, um, to help their family. And uh, through events, 
the brothers came to know that Joseph was their brother, and, and they were they were they were sorrowful. They were uh, they were ashamed at what they had done to their brother. And Joseph says this in Genesis chapter fifty, verse twenty. He says this: As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about the many people that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Guys, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. There's no need to reconcile friends. Both Both are true. Man is morally responsible for his evil, his wickedness, and yet a providential God is going to use it all for his good and our, for his glory and our good. Which brings us to the third lesson in this prayer. We can trust God for protection and power. The apostles know these things. So in verse 29, they pray, And now, Lord, look upon the threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your Holy Spirit. Friend, you can trust God for protection and power. He holds you in the palm of his hand. You, God, God's presence, God's sovereignty is your greatest refuge. So that you can continue to serve him faithfully and with boldness. And that's what the disciples, the apostles pray for. God's protection and God's empowerment. And so knowing these things, knowing that the enemy means nothing but evil um, towards us, um, you need to know this. The enemy takes many forms. Hardships, Affliction, persecution, insults, disease, chronic pain, death. You fill in the blank. What are you experiencing? And each of these things can be so very devastating but you need to know this the power of the enemy will always be in vain towards God's children keep trusting the heart of God One wise person said this, 
because of God's sovereignty, there are going to be a lot of things that occur in your life that are going to hurt you deeply. But not a single one of those things can ever harm you. For the child of God, you are fully encapsulated in the person of Jesus Christ. Our catechism today, the verse for our catechism is Romans chapter 14, verses 7 and 8. Let me just turn there and read that for you this morning. Romans 14, 7 says, For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. The enemy cannot harm you. Oh, he may bring pain and suffering in your life. But it is Jesus who keeps you and me. And our only hope is in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus has got you covered. What happened to Caden over the weekend was really bad. Was really painful. That wasn't God's will. But God allowed it. And the enemy couldn't touch Cain because he was in Christ. He belonged to Christ. And even though the mortal body died, Cain lived. And he lives today, and he's more fully alive today than ever before. Does that dry the, parent, the tears of the parents? No. They hurt. They grieve. And God understands every one of those tears. Because God watched his son die for our Salvation. I praise God Jesus didn't stay dead. He came back to life. And he conquered sin and death. And those whose lives are in Christ, who surrender their lives to him, they don't have to fear death. They don't have to fear sin any longer. Because Christ has removed it. Because our lives are in Jesus. God has removed that weapon from the enemy. And he can't touch you. Folks, our greatest friend is God. 
and His sovereignty. And if you want to get through this life, if you want to thrive in this life, you've got to be on God's side. God needs to be your friend. And God becomes your friend as you surrender your life to Him. Acknowledge that you're a sinner. That Christ suffered and died for your sin and rose again. And if you believe that and you give your heart and life to Him, you are in Christ. And no one, nothing can touch you. Trust Him. If you're, if you're, if you're, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six: Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. He'll make your path straight. He'll, he, he, he's not going to give you the answers all at once, but trust His heart. He keeps you. He holds you. He is there. He's your friend. And then as you experience His comfort, His providential care in your life, you know the Comforter personally through those difficulties. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, then you're able to comfort others who are going through similar situations. God wants you to be a comforter to others. As you know people who are suffering, who are going through a difficult time, don't become an amateur theologian and say, well, it's the sovereignty of God. Everything happens for a reason. No, that's not the whole truth. And what they need most in that moment is a hug, is a meal. It's a shoulder to cry on. Volunteering to wash their clothes. Just being there for them. And so this morning, church, again, I want to say thank you for how you are being a comforter to the Gregory family. And if you're here going through a hard time or just know that one of these days you're going to go through a hard time it's going to happen in all of our lives it hasn't happened yet it hasn't caught God by surprise and yeah there's an enemy out there who wants to use it to ruin you but God wants to use it in your life to trust Him. 
give him glory. And to be a testimony of who God can be in other people's lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of Scripture. Thank you for, God, what the apostles knew. They had seen what had happened to Jesus. And from the world's perspective, it was a tragedy. But God, from your perspective... It was your greatest triumph. So I thank you that no matter how difficult situations might become, God, you are always at work. And may we, though we may not understand it, help us to trust you. In the quietness of this moment, are you going through a difficult situation? You don't understand why. You didn't invite this. You've been walking in obedience. God is there. And in the cry of your prayer, appeal to his sovereignty. God, you know each and every situation here. I ask that you would encourage your children. There's one here this morning who doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. God, might today be the day of their salvation. Just tell Jesus, Jesus, you believe. You believe that he died for you. Repent. Turn from your sin. give your life to him. He he hears that prayer. He's answered that prayer. Now learn to grow in the grace and knowledge of who he is and wants to be in your life. Father, thank you for this time that we've had. We love you and we praise you. God, help us to trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.